Father, we just come to you and we ask for you to bless, ask you to bless our study today in the book of Hebrews as we again look at this great chapter of faith. And as we look at this hero of faith, uh, Noah himself, Lord, and what a hero he was. Uh, we, we, can, we can thank him that we're here today because he was, you used him to, to keep mankind on this earth. And so we're just, we're thankful for your grace and and for the faith that you gave him, Lord. Uh, two things that we're really going to learn about his faith. Uh, you're going to show us that it's, his faith was enduring faith. He wasn't a quitter. Uh, and, and that his faith produced works. And, and that's what any faith that you give us should do, Lord. So we just ask that you just take this study today and, and uh, just plant these great truths in our heart, Lord. And and help us to look up and, and to, to look around and, and see that we're living in very similar times to the, to the days of Noah. And that, that we, can, we, 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 we need to be preparing our ark and, and being sure that we're in it and, and ready to go when you come to get us. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your word and the lessons you're going to teach us today. Uh, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. In the latter part of the 18th century... Wilbur, uh, William Wilberforce was leading the fight to abolish slavery in England. And it was a pretty discouraging fight. And on several occasions he wanted to give up because he was fighting it in Parliament and he, he suffered defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat, year after year after year. And in 1790 he write, wrote in his diary that he was, he was finished. I mean, he was, he was about to quit and and what he did, he went back and looked at a letter that, that John Wesley had given him, which re reads as follows, and let me read it to you. He says, unless the divine has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing the abominable practice of slavery, which is a scandal of religion, of England, and of the human race. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and demons. But if God is for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Of course not. Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go in the name of God and in the power of his might. And that's exactly what Wilberforce did. And, and before his death in 1833, he saw the end of slavery in England. See, Wilber, Wilberforce was a man who had real faith. Real faith in a real God. And that's what we've been looking at a for, for the last few weeks as we've come to chapter 11 of Hebrews. We've been looking at this great chapter of faith. And if you remember back in verse number 1, if you weren't here, you'll want to go back and get this. Back in verse number 1, he gave us a definition of faith. And then uh, he gave us the foundational statement of faith and, and, and that uh, God created the things that, that are... Uh, seen by things that are unseen. And then we were given an example of faith in Abel and how by faith Abel overcame sin and became a righteous man. And then we were given the example of Enoch and how Enoch walked with God and by his faith he overcame death. And then uh, we were shown in the last verse that we looked at last week in verse number 6 that, that by faith through prayer we can overcome anything, any obstacle in our way that, that God by faith through prayer can do a great work in, in any of us. 
Well, as we come to the next verse, and we're only going to get one verse today, we come to this, this uh, another character uh, We're going to, in the hall of faith, this character named Noah. And I know all of you know about Noah, but uh, we're going to learn about his enduring faith that produced great work. So, so let's look at verse number 7. Go with me to verse number 7 of chapter number 11. By faith, Noah having been divinely warned of things not seen. What things not seen is he speaking of there? The flood that was coming, the judgment that was coming. Moved with godly fear, moved by, with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now we can learn a lot about faith through this guy Noah. I mean, by faith, man, he did something spectacular. He prepared an ark. I mean, an ark. And we're going to talk about that ark a little bit later, but, but that wasn't some hobby, man. That was a building project. He prepared an ark. When he was 480 years old, he was a, really wasn't an old man yet because he's going to live several hundred more years. But when he was 480 years old, God came to him and warned him that he was about to judge the world with the flood. And, and so he told Noah, you need to build an ark. If you want to save your family, you need to build an ark. And I don't think he told Noah when the flood was coming. No more than he tells us when the day of judgment is coming on this earth, this second judgment that before the coming of Jesus Christ. But you got to, if you got to spiritualize and you look around, you got to know it's coming pretty soon. And I think Noah lived in similar days. We know he lived in similar days. The Bible tells us he lived in, lived in similar days. And so he knew basically in his heart that this judgment was coming, but he didn't know when. And so God divinely warns him that the judgment is coming. Get busy and build an ark if you want to save your family. How long did he build that ark? How long was it before the judgment came? After uh, Noah was warned of the divine, uh, divinely of the judgment that was coming? 120 years, 120 years. Now, you talk about enduring faith. Noah had faith that lasted 120 years. Now, what motivated him? Well, he was motivated, we're told here, by godly fear. He, he was motivated by the fear of God. And, and that goes back to verse number 6, for is his what he says there in verse number six, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now you're not going to be motivated by fear if you don't believe that God is who he says he is. There are a lot of people in this world who aren't afraid of God. You know why they're not afraid of God? Because they don't believe he's who he says he is. Friends, I've got news for you. He is who he says he is. And it's very dangerous for you to, to, to create your own God. The God of the Bible is the true and living God, and he is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And so he told Noah he's about to destroy the world, that judgment is coming and prepare an ark, and Noah believed him because he feared God. Now, why was God going to destroy the world? That sounds seems pretty drastic, God. God, you, the loving God... That's the God of the Old Testament, right? The loving God, the God of the New Testament would never destroy this world. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? 
I suggest you read it if you don't believe he's going to destroy this world. He's going to destroy this world. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to destroy this world. I mean, he's the same God. But why would he destroy the earth? Well, go back with me to the book of Genesis. Go back with me to the book of Genesis. And we'll look at this story for just a minute. Look at Genesis chapter 6. And let's see the background of this divine warning that is given to Noah. I mean, why would God warn Noah? Well, things were pretty bad in Noah's day. Listen to what it says in verse number 5. In Genesis chapter 6, first book of the Bible, very first book of the Bible. On this one, it's probably on page 5, somewhere around page 5. First of the Bible, uh, chapter number 6. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were on evil continually. He had no thought for God. That's what evil is, is godless thoughts. And so all of his thoughts, they weren't about God. They were on evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Man, that's sad. You know, for things to come to a place where God is so wishes that he hadn't even made man, things have to be pretty bad. Conditions have to be pretty bad. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth and he was grieved in his heart. And so the Lord said, in mercy, I believe, I believe this judgment was mercy. Things were getting so bad that the destruction of this earth was mercy. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and the beast and the creeping thing and the birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. End of story. If I were God, end of story. I'm not God. And God has a big but there. But. One of those big buts in the Bible, that's, that's a big one. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so the Lord warned him that this flood was coming. Why, why did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? And nobody else found I mean, did God just say, uh, I'm just going to pick somebody out and I'm going to pick Noah and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save Noah and nobody else. I'm going to warn Noah and I'm not going to warn anybody else. Is that, is that the kind of God we serve? No. I mean, I mean he did war, warn Noah and he didn't warn anybody else. But the reason he didn't warn anybody else because there was nobody else that was going to listen. There was nobody else that was going to repent. There was nobody else that was going to change their way. There was nobody else that was going to obey him. And why was Noah different? Well, look at, look at verse number 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Now, did Noah justify himself? Was he, was he not a sinner? Oh, Noah was a sinner just like anybody else. He was a just man because he was justified by God. Why was he justified by God? Well, we're told because he walked with God. He acknowledged God. He acknowledged the existence of God. He, as he lived his life, he, he, he looked to God for guidance. He, he, he had a relationship with God. He walked with God. And so God warned him. He warned him of this, this coming judgment. I don't know that anybody else on earth at that time was capable of being Warn, because there's something else going on here, something very sinister. 
If you look at the text, in verse number 9, he says he was perfect in his generations. Let me give you another translation for that, maybe a better translation. He was perfect in his seed. He was perfect in his DNA. His DNA was not polluted like the rest of the world. His DNA was pure. That's really what that's saying right there. Uh, now, how could your DNA get polluted? Well, you've got to look at the context of this text and go back to verse number 1, and let me show you how it got polluted. He tells us that before he tells us about the wickedness of man. Look at verse number 6. He said, Now it came to pass when man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born to them, that some of the sons of God... Now, there's no other way you can interpret this, I can tell you right now, except fallen angels. These are not good angels. They are fallen angels. What do we call them? Demons. It, it, now, it came to pass when man began to multiply on the face of the earth, that daughters were born to them, and the fallen angels saw the daughters of man, and they were beautiful. And they took, wives is the wrong word here, they took mates. They had sex with them. That's all it's saying right there. And they took mates for themselves of all whom they desired, all whom they chose. And, that, and, and the Lord sees this happening throughout society at this point, and it's affecting all the DNA. And before that, people lived to be a 1,000 years old. But now he says, I've got to stop it. I've got to stop it because the whole gene pool is becoming polluted. And so he said, the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall now be 120 years instead of a 1,000 years. So there were... Nephilim, giants, there's the Nephilim there. The fallen ones is what that means. There were Nephilim on the earth in those days, and also afterwards when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. What were the Nephilim? The Nephilim were part human and part demon. And what happened here, over several generations, this gene pool becomes polluted to where just about everybody had demon DNA in them. To the point that, how many demons are going to get into heaven? Zero. So that there weren't, weren't anybody left who were perfect in their generation. There wasn't anybody left who was perfect in their generation except Noah and his family. And so God divinely warns Noah that, hey, you need to build an ark. Uh, there might have been some others. There might have been a few others. But for the most part, the world had become full of Nephilim, full of Nephilim. Now, can that happen today? How did it happen back then? Did it happen within the confines of marriage? No. Let me tell you what. When people start having sex outside of marriage with anybody they choose to have sex with, they are opening themselves up to demonic activity. I don't believe it's any different today than it was back then. And you might very well, I know this sounds strange, and probably some of you are about ready to write me off, but this is biblical. I believe that 
There are demons doing the same thing on earth today that they were back then. And the gene pool is being polluted today. And people who are continually, and I'm not condemning you if you, if you did something outside of a marriage, all of us have fallen at times. But there is that danger. There is that danger. I, well, wait a minute. I mean, uh, I don't see any demons. You think Noah people in their day saw the demons? Those demons came in the form of men. They took on human form, probably very handsome men. And they had no relationship with a person other than a sexual relationship, but they produced children. And those children polluted the deep in the day. And those children went and married other people or had relations with other people because you had all this gross immorality going on. And then before you know it, the whole gene pool has some of this DNA in it. And so the only one that's left who doesn't is this guy, Noah. And so God's about to judge the world and, and judge it because of uh, what's going on. Now, I don't think Noah was a fool. I don't think he... I know he had to be warned by God to do what he did and stick with what God had called him to do, but he wasn't a fool. Noah could look around and he could see the wickedness and violence in the world. I mean, he knew what was going on. He knew God was not going to allow this to go on forever. I mean, I'll tell you what, that's the point I've come to right now. I mean, I could look around this world and I could tell you God's not going to allow this to go on forever. Or he's not, people are right then. If he allows it to go on forever, then he's not the God of the Bible. God is just. And, and, and God is gracious and he's merciful and God is love. But he's also just. And he will punish sin. And, and at some point in mercy, he's going to stop it. Before this earth is taken over by demons again. So what did Noah do? I mean, going back to Hebrews chapter 11, what did Noah do? By faith, being warned, Noah prepared an ark. He prepared an ark. I mean, he, began, he, he got the instructions from the Lord, and he prepared an ark. And while he was preparing that ark, he preached that judgment was coming. And it took him a hundred, over a hundred, or at least a hundred years to prepare that ark. And you talk about enduring faith. That is enduring faith. God gives you a project, and he doesn't tell you when the project's going to be finished. He doesn't tell you how long it is before the judgment comes. But you got to keep enduring. You got to keep building. You got to keep believing for 120 years. And this wasn't, like I said earlier, this wasn't a hobby. I mean, this, he wasn't building a sailboat or a fishing boat. He was building an ocean liner. This thing was 500 feet long, 45 feet tall, and 75 foot wide. And so it was quite a project. I mean, he spent his whole life on this project. And I'm sure he had his doubts along the way. I mean, here he is building this ark year after year, and everybody else is going on with their business as if nothing's ever going to happen. I mean, they're buying and selling and growing crops and marrying and giving in marriage, and, and they're going on as if the world's going to go on like that forever. And I, I, I imagine the, 
the flack he took from his friends and his relatives and his neighbors as he's building this ark. I mean, Noah, what are you doing? What are you doing, Noah? What are you building? Well, I'm building an ark. What are you building an ark for? Because it's going to rain. What's rain? What do you mean rain? Well, it's, it's going to flood. What's flood? Well, it's got to rain for it to flood. I mean, they didn't understand what rain was. I, I believe, and most, I think the biblical scholars are right, that teach that there was a canopy over the earth. And there was a canopy and, that held the moisture on the rivers and in the streams and, and the springs that came up, fed the crops or watered the crops. And, and, and I don't believe it rained before the flood. And so just imagine, here's Noah. He's living in this green paradise where it never rains, and he's telling people to, that he's prepared an ark and getting ready for rain. And year after year, it doesn't rain. And, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, he had to be the laughing stock of his neighborhood, the laughing stock of his friends. And, and, and that had to take a lot of faith. I mean, years of faith. 120 years before the flood came. You talk about faith without works is dead. You talk about enduring faith. Noah had to work. If he hadn't built the ark, I mean, he was given the divine warning. What would have happened if he hadn't built, built the ark? What would have happened? He would have drowned. Him and his family would have drowned. He had to work. He was given the faith, but he had to work. That faith had to endure. He had to, it was 120 years after he was told that the flood was coming before the flood came. Imagine how he had to endure. I mean, think about his eschatology. I mean, I mean, if I was him and God came to me and said, George, I'm warning you, tomorrow get ready. I mean, I'm not going to tell you when it's coming, but the judgment is at hand. Get ready. You know what? Man, I would have a prophecy conference. I'd sell tapes. I'd say I would uh, write books. Uh, that's all I would do. Did Noah do that? No, he went to work. He went to work preaching the gospel, preaching, calling people to repentance. I mean, he didn't start any kind of prophecy club or anything like that. He preached repentance. Faith without works is dead. And his faith, his, not only was, was his faith a working faith, it was an enduring faith. For 120 years he preached that this flood was coming. He didn't know when it was going to come. I believe he thought it was going to come any day. I'm sure he worked as hard and fast as he could on that ark to get it ready. And, and it didn't come. Year after year, it didn't rain. And if, his, and if he had not endured, if he had not endured by faith, he would have drowned just like everybody else, just like everybody else. Well, Pastor, doesn't that kind of say that, that uh, you can lose your salvation if your faith fails, if you don't endure? I mean, what would have happened to his salvation was the ark. What would have happened to his salvation if, if he hadn't built the ark? If his faith hadn't endured, if he had quit 190 years into the project and said, I'm done, I've had it. And I'm sure there were times he threw his hammer down and he said, this is it. I'm finished. I'm not doing this anymore. It's not raining. I'm not making any money. I'm starving to build this ark. My family's starving. Everybody thinks I'm nuts. I've had it. 
I'm walking away. What would have happened if he had walked away? He would have drowned. And his family would have drowned. That's what Paul seems to say about salvation in Colossians chapter 1. He says, you will be saved if you continue in your faith. If you build your ark, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from your hope. So if you don't continue in your faith, steadfast, and grounded, then you're going you're gonna to lose in the end. You're not going to be saved. And that's true. I believe that with all my heart. If you're here today and if you, if you proclaim to be a Christian right up to the day you die and then you walk, finally give it up and you walk away from it, if you do that, you're toast. Noah had to go the full length of the race. He had to finish his race in order to be saved. But here's where people go wrong when they think you can lose your salvation. Here's where they go wrong. They forget where you get faith. Where do you get faith? Faith is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Where did Noah get his faith to build the ark? From God. Now, what kind of God would God be if he said, Noah, I'm going to give you just enough faith to make 80 years, and then you're going to walk away from the project, and you and your family are going to drown, and I'm going to enjoy watching it. That's not the God of the Bible, is it? How much faith did God give Noah? He gave him the faith to endure. 120 years worth of faith is what he gave him. And, and when, when Noah's faith, when Noah threw that hammer down, on, I'm sure on several occasions and said, I've had this, I'm done, had it with this, I'm done, I'm quitting, I'm not going any further. I'm sure that the Lord came along and encouraged Noah and gave him a new dose of faith. And it was God who gave Noah the faith to finish that ark. Yes, he had to endure to be saved. But the faith to endure didn't come from Noah. It came as a gift from God. And he did endure. He did finish the ark. And what were the consequences of him finishing the ark? Look at verse number 7 again. Three consequences. Number one, looking at verse number 7, number one, the first consequence is that he, he saved his household. He finished the ark. He saved his household. Number two, this is a strange consequence of finishing the ark. He condemned the world. And number three, he became the heir, became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, how did he save his family? Well, that's obvious, isn't it? I mean, he saved his family by building the ark. If he hadn't built the ark, his family would have died. You know, when he began to plan the construction of the ark. That took place 20 years before he had his first child. And when he was making the plans for the ark, he planned rooms for his children. Because he wasn't planning on just saving himself. He was planning on saving his family too. I don't know about you, especially you younger couples in here. 
But I, I think Noah's most important task, what he saw as his most important task, was not saving himself, but saving his family. We've lost some generations here because we've had Christian parents who didn't see that as their most important task. They saw their most important task as being sure their children were happy in the world. There's danger in that. Friends, the most important task, if you're a parent here today, the most important task you have, if you're a future parent here today, is to prepare yourself to meet God so you can prepare your children to meet God. That's the most important thing you can do. I mean, who wants to raise a child up in the world that's going to go to hell? Who wants to do that? Don't bring them into the world if they're going to hell. Well, there's no hell. There's no flood. There's no judgment. That's what they told Noah up until the day it began to rain. Friends, the judgment is coming. And if you're a parent here today or a future parent here today, I, I mean, even you don't have any children yet, begin to plan for those children now. Begin to plan for their salvation now. And the best way to plan for their salvation is to prepare yourself for salvation. And then the second thing it says that by faith or by building the ark, he condemned the world. How did he condemn the world? Well, his belief, his faith exposed their unbelief. His righteousness exposed their wickedness. His submission to God exposed their rebellion to God. And I don't think Noah was a holier-than-thou guy who went around condemning everybody. I think he realized that what he got was by grace, and he tried to pass that grace on. And that's the way all of us should be. But we should be different. If we're preparing an ark, and the ark that we know is Jesus Christ, and we prepare our faith in Jesus Christ, and we build on that ark, and we're going to build on that ark until he returns. But if we're building on that, then we should be different. We should condemn the world, not judgmentally. I'm not talking about that. But they should look at us and say, they're righteous and I'm not. They have faith in God and I don't. They believe and I don't believe. They should see something different. If they don't see anything different, maybe you're not building an ark. We need to be different. And then, of course, we know this one. He became an heir of righteousness by doing it. The just just shall live by faith. Faith without works is dead. He lived by faith. He completed the work, and he became an heir of righteousness. Building the ark didn't make him righteous, but by building the ark, he showed that he was righteous. He was like Abraham. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was justified by faith, and he lived by faith in a living God. You talk about a classic Old Testament saint. Noah was a classic Old Testament saint. He didn't know about the cross. I mean, maybe he did, but I doubt it very seriously. He knew anything about the cross. You know what he knew? He knew he was a sinner, and he needed to be saved. He knew he was unrighteous, and he needed mercy. And he rested in God for his righteousness, and he did not rest in himself. And he walked with God, and he obeyed God. 
and he was justified in God's sight. So there you have it. One little verse there. You thought you were going to get out early. Pastor, what's all this got to do with me? It's got everything to do with you. Let me let Jesus speak here today. Let me just read his words. He says, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, he gives a warning sign there. He says, as the days of Noah. And there's two things that that warning sign tells us. One is that the judgment's going to come on an ordinary day when nobody's expecting it. On a day when everybody's eating and drinking and giving in marriage and, and living their lives as normal. The second thing that that warning tells me is that the world, when Jesus comes, is going to look very similar to the world as it looked in Noah's days. What did, it, what did the text say? Every intent of the heart of man was on evil. Hello? The earth was filled with violence. Hello? You know, I think we've arrived at that time. Is it going to be tomorrow? Probably not. It might be 120 years from now, like it was for Noah. I mean, I'm not one of these people that believe it's necessarily going to be tomorrow. Man, I tell you, it looks to me like we're getting awful close. But my job, as we get close, is not to become a prophecy nut or a prophecy guru or whatever and just study about when the Lord's coming and figure out when he's coming. It might be 120 years. You don't want to waste 120 years. You're not going to live that long anyway, but you don't want to waste the rest of your life worrying about when he's coming. He could come right this very moment. I believe that with all my heart. He could certainly could come tomorrow, and it's looking like it's going to be soon and very, very soon, but he hasn't called us to figure out exactly when he's coming. He's warned us that he's coming. He's warned us that judgment is coming, and he wants us to live by faith. He wants our faith to endure, and he wants us to endure in the work that he's called us to do. And what work is that? To build on the ark. To build our faith in Jesus Christ. To build on that faith. To, to build on the gospel. To build on the kingdom of God. Everybody in this room, you're called to work in the kingdom. You need to find that work. And I'm not saying you've got to be a pastor, you've got to be a, in the children's ministry or anything like that. Those are great things if you want to do that. But, but great things can be done right there in your workplace, right there in your home, right there with your children. But it's time we take this really seriously. And if we do, and if we build on the ark and we put our faith in the ark 
the ark of Jesus Christ, then the consequences will be the same as they were for Noah. Our household will be saved. Not, we'll be saved. And we'll condemn wickedness. And we'll be wit- witnesses of righteousness. We won't condemn it with our words. We'll condemn it just by who we are. And we'll endure in real faith in a real God. Because our faith is a gift of God and not of works. You'll finish the work God's called you to do if you're truly a born-again believer. question is, are you in the ark? Is your family in the ark? You better get in there soon because it, the rains are coming. They're start, it's starting to, you can just see it starting to fall. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word and just all that you teach us. And Lord, we've all been given a divine warning of the judgment that's coming. We it's just as in the days of Noah, Lord, it's, it's coming to our time too and our place too. But Lord, you've given us a work to do and families to raise and you don't want us bailing out on that now. You want us to take those tasks even more seriously as we see the day approach. Lord, just give us the grace to endure. We know you will in these difficult times. Lord, if there's anyone here in this room today that is not in the ark, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, let them press on their heart that that the time is drawing near. Their their chance to to repent and turn to you is, is quickly fading away. And so, Lord, I just ask that you make today the day of their salvation. Father, again, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for for the faith you've given us in Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.